I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Today, we're talking with the legendary Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright, Paula Vogel. She's been in the theater industry for decades, penning acclaimed plays such as How I Learned to Drive, The Long Christmas Ride Home, The Baltimore Waltz, and more. Nashville Repertory Theater is currently running a production of Paula Vogel's play, Indecent, which tackles big themes like censorship and anti-Semitism in the 20th century. Paula Vogel, welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you so much, Khalil. I'm really pleased to join you. It is really an honor to have you on the show. Now, you know, for our listeners that haven't seen the play before, Indecent tells the story of the production of The God of Vengeance. Now, you wrote it and can explain it much, much better than I can. Do you mind giving (laughs) us a little summary of what Indecent is about? I will try. Okay, Indecent is kind of a history of a single play called The God of Vengeance that was written in 1906 by a 24-year-old newlywed man by the name of Sholem Ash. And when it was first presented in Poland in 1906 in Yiddish, it caused a little bit of a stir, but it was then produced in Germany and it went all through Europe and was a critical success. It was acclaimed. The play God of Vengeance itself is about a family. It is about a man who is raising a pure kosher daughter, trying to uh, marry her to a well-placed rabbi's son. But uh, the difficulty is that he runs a brothel in his basement. Uh, And he is Mm. using that money to raise his daughter and bribe a marriage for her. The hitch is that the daughter falls in love with one of the prostitutes. The uh, relationship between the two women was seen as a very pure love. Okay, this is 1906. People loved this play in Europe. It transferred to New York in Yiddish and played downtown. Another huge success for years and years and years. Then someone got the bright idea, hey, what if we translate it into English and produce it on Broadway? And the show was then shut down by the vice cops and Mm. the entire cast was arrested for indecency and obscenity. So it became uh, quite a scandal in uh, the New York community. And the play basically disappeared for decades. And I was always very um, inspired by the play, which I, I read as a young woman. So I wanted to look at what is it that happens to us that inspires hate speech. How do we turn against immigrants? 1923, when this arrest happened, when the scandal happened, was the rise of know-nothing. It was the rise of anti-Semitism, hate speech by a radio uh, uh, personality by the name of Father Coughlin. Because the, the play talks about, you know, Uh, how we bribe our way, and that religion is no exception, how do we bribe our way into society and into being seen as normal? Um, And then the question I think that Indecent raises is, when do we as a community censor ourselves? Because it is a fearful time. And one of the things I'm not happy about, but I knew it when I was writing it, 
is that we are again in a fearful time mm-hmm. um, in terms of anti-immigration, anti-LGBTQ uh, sentiment, um, and this 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 rise of a kind of nativist uh, Americanism that we have gone through, and it's very dangerous. Okay, so describe the process, your, your writing process, what it was like for you trying to share this really century-old story with a modern audience, even though there are themes that happened 100 years ago that are appearing again in our society, particularly in our political structure. From your point of view. Yes, absolutely. Well, um my first step was to read and read and read. Um, and I read a lot of Holocaust history. Uh, I read a lot about what was it like to be lesbian, queer, um, and gay in the 1920s when it was still a criminal state. Um, I read about the reception and the history of uh, pre-World War II in Germany, in Poland, et cetera, and so forth. And Indecent doesn't stop with uh, God of Vengeance being struck from the stage. It goes on and it looks at the aftermath. How did I write it? I wrote it because I saw an image in my head. And after I've I've told you this much, it sounds like a very serious play. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's actually a love letter to the theater. I was struck by the commitment of actors and how much they loved this play and how much they wanted to perform in it. And so what I saw in my head when a young director called me up asking that if I would collaborate with her to write and produce uh, the story about the God of Vengeance, on the phone as I was talking, I saw a dusty theatrical troupe rising from the dust in an attic in Poland and they stretch themselves and they dust themselves off and they come forward to tell this story to us, an American theater audience in the 21st century. And one of the things that's very important is when when you're trying to be accurate and tell a historic story, you also need to celebrate that story. Uh, I think the best commemoration is done with music and laughter um, and lightness. And this is a very heavy part of our history. There's dance, there's songs, um, there's storytelling, there's love affairs, um, there's a lot of light and color. Uh, One of the things that I feel that I need to impart and the question that I have for myself is how do we remain resilient when we are under attack as a community, whether it be Jewish, whether it be gay, whether it be immigrant? How do we remain resilient? And joy is a necessary component of that. Mm. Now, some of the themes in the play are still considered taboo today. I personally, I can't imagine trying to produce a play 100 years ago about sex workers. Did you face any resistance about the more taboo subject matter in your show while you're trying to get it staged? I didn't while I was trying to get it staged. It took a while to put it together because, you know, as a woman writer, I don't often get a chance of being produced with a larger canvas. And this cast involves 
10 musician and actors. Um, so it took a while to put together a process where I could continue to work on the play with the same cast. We went from New Haven. Actually, we started at Sundance uh, and then we went from New Haven to La Jolla to a small theater in New York. Um, so it's it's more difficult for, for that reason. I didn't encounter any difficulties about the play until a high school wanted to put on the High School of the Performing Arts in Jacksonville, Florida, announced Indecent as their spring show hmm. uh, in the drama division. That's a far and cry from The Wizard of Oz. Far cry. Um, but the students loved it. The parents loved it. They gave their permission. And then there was a new superintendent who ended up not only canceling the production, but apparently calling parents to tell them that I was a pornographer. So, listen, I'm now 72 years old. Um, what is considered salient, perhaps by the superintendent, was the story of the love between these two women, which, quite frankly, in the original production was represented by a kiss. Hmm. So is Indecent, which is about the censorship of a play, itself beyond uh, uh, normality, that it must itself be censored? Instead of offering young adults the opportunity to look at how do we deal with portraying a community in a way that's not just a kind of glowing mythology? What happens if we want to write about our neighborhood and our neighbors and our family and our communities in a, in a, a critical way with love? And this was the charge that was leveled against Sholem Ash. Originally, there were Yiddish artists who didn't want him to produce the play because it it was a, it written and produced at a time of high anti-Semitism in Europe. And, and Sholem Ash in, in the play Indecent says, must every Jew on stage be a paragon? So I think there's really interesting themes for young artists to explore. And by the way, Indecent has been done in high schools and in community and in colleges all over the country. So what is better to enforce and police the sexuality and the love and the lifestyle and the religion of other people while being able to hide one's own, shall we say, what they might label as an indiscretion? Or is it better to have it on stage and addressed as a community. You know, you never stray away from talking about difficult topics in your work. That's something that we try to do here at This Is Nashville. I'm curious about what draws you to settings like brothels or controversial t topics like sex work when you are writing and developing plays. Or How I Learned to Drive, which is about uh, pedophilia and incest. Um, I'm going to be absolutely honest here. A lot of it starts in my own life um, and watching women as a child uh, and understanding. How do you understand prostitution as a girl, as a child? What makes 
any woman who has to earn her living that way different from me as a secretary, which is how I began? Why is it that we refuse to look at, at people as people? Why are we censoring them? Why are we not looking at the conditions and the character? So, you know, this is, this is sort of how I grew up. I grew up um, experiencing prejudice, domestic violence, and abuse. Um, and learning how to survive it and thank God for people in my life who encouraged me through it. Um, I'm a very lucky woman. But not all women are so fortunate. Um, and I think very often, you know, how do we how do we respond as human beings? I'm not a paragon. There are times when I have to step over bodies lying in the street who don't have money enough to get indoors. We're, we're constantly beset by problems of the human condition. But I think theater allows us to see those problems as our problems, my problem, and not their problem. Mm. And I think there's a discourse going on right now, and I imagine it's going on in Nashville, where it's not our children, perhaps, that have been shot and massacred in a school. And if it isn't our children, is it our problem? Is gun violence our problem? Now, I've never experienced that, but I think it is my problem. I don't know what to do about it. Um, but I'd like to see it on stage so there could be a discussion of it. And the other thing that I think is I think theater is a spiritual bread that we break together. It's a way we can come together to watch a play. And by the end of the evening, we are a community. So for me, there's a great deal of healing by telling these stories, but the stories are always told. I can't help myself. I really love corny Borscht Belt humor. Hmm. There's always humor and there's always laughter. There's always skills that we have as human beings to resist and find resiliency in our conditions. And my great concern right now is I need not, I, I don't want to drift in this period into a them versus us uh, a sentiment that's happening, I feel, in the 2024 election. I need to hold on to the fact that I know Republicans and I love them. Um, I need to try and understand people who would vote for Trump. But I have to say that I fear as they vote for Trump, they're voting for my demise as a woman, a gay woman, and a Jew. How do I understand that? Um, I, I believe that we need to have the conversations and the discourses in public. You were talking about the spiritual belt that theater is, that it can be for us to understand each other's humanity. You know, I'm looking at the success that Indecent had seen, nominated for a Tony Award for Best Play, took home awards for Best Directing and Lighting Design, a very, very sharp contrast to the original play being so heavily centered. What do you think the cast and the crew of The God of Vengeance, these potential people, this dusty theater troupe that you saw in your imagination, what do you think they would have to say about Indecent's success? I believe that theater should that art 
should wound our memory so we remember. How do I tell younger generations who think of the Holocaust as history that no, it's still with us. It's something that's in our bones. And I hope that when you see the play, you realize history never goes away. We have to be aware of it as our history so we don't repeat it. Um, so I feel there's a lot of love. And what I'm hoping is that at the end of my life, because I've been so, so damn lucky to spend my life in rooms with actors and artists, that I see images from the plays that I've experienced with these extraordinary artists as I end my life. And I'd like to imagine that all the Yiddish actors who performed in God of Vengeance had that solace too as they neared their end at Auschwitz. How do we cling on to the beauty that we've seen and we've witnessed? How do we highlight the beauty rather than the atrocity? Um, I think that what happens and what is happening, at least to me, is that I end up feeling a passivity because there are so many crises. There's so much chaos. And particularly, I think, when Donald Trump was in office, it's like it felt like on all sides. What what can I do as, as an individual citizen? What can I do uh, witnessing George Floyd? What can I do witnessing a woman and her two daughters killed by razor wire in the river trying to cross to America. What do we do? It's very easy to feel overcome. But I think that the reason the play is so success successful is because there's a beauty to it. There's a beauty and a love to it. And I've been very fortunate. And I, I just talked to the director yesterday for the first time. I can feel their love and dedication for this story. It's, it's, it's not my story. It's everyone's story. Mm. Um, I just wanted to find a container that we could all relate to. You, what do you think the impact of a play like Indecent could be in 2024? I hope that people come out of the Nashville rep um, feeling a little bit more united, feeling a little bit more of their common humanity, um, feeling a little bit more. One of the things that's happened, if I may say, that I've been very worried with, and this happened during Senator Jesse Helm and the Republicans back in the 1980s, is that theater support started being cut by politicians. Mm -hmm. And I think of theater as not a luxury, but as something that should be in every school, something that every citizen should have access to, something that senior citizens can see, something that is absolutely accessible. It's not a luxury. So what I really hope is that people come out and go, oh my gosh, let's go see another play. Paula Vogel is a Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright. Her play, Indecent, is running currently at the Nashville Repertory Theater. Paula, thank you so much for being with us. It's an honor to talk with you. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much, Khalil. It's an honor for me. Later this hour, we'll talk with folks from the Nashville Repertory Theater that are currently bringing Indecent to life for Middle Tennessee audiences.
I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. On February 2nd, the Nashville Rep premiered the play Indecent at TPAC. The play runs through Sunday, so if you want to check it out, head to the NashvilleRep.org. Pardon me, head to NashvilleRep.org slash Indecent for more information. We sent producer and theater kid Elizabeth Burton down to TPAC to get a sense of the production. Let's listen to her visit. Yiddish is our mother tongue. It is the language of our myths and songs. Our streets, our gutters, our desires. When I found out that Nashville Repertory Theater was doing Indecent this season, I was so excited that I almost rear-ended a 1-800-Flowers truck. Indecent, which is a play about the staging of the controversial 1920s play, The God of Vengeance, has been one of my favorites since I discovered it in college. I did wonder, though, how are they going to pull off Indecent in Nashville? Every two or three years, that gets read in your living room. I am not ashamed that I want our stories in every language. We are a blue dot in a red state, but a play that not only features but celebrates sex workers, lesbians, Judaism, and the complexity of religion, it might normally find its target audience somewhere like Greenwich Village, not Music City. I've been waiting for almost a year to see what the rep was going to do with Indecent and how local theater goers would react. Last week, I stopped by TPAC to sit in on a rehearsal. When I walked into the theater, I was struck by how immediately immersed I felt into the world of Indecent. The set was striking with these old homey chairs, big briefcases, huge dusty coats on coat racks in the corners. The stage was lined with paper, and when I looked closely, I could see that there were photographs and news clippings. So if you took a little tour around the set, there's pictures of the original cast, there's pictures of the cast when they went to court, there's pictures of the original playwright, Sherlamash, around the set, there's pictures of people that were killed during the Holocaust. There's just, there's a lot of history around the set. So I hope people take a little, little tour. It's kind of our nod to how certain things are discarded because they're, 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 the people think they're not worthy. That's Gary Seahoff, who's the scenic designer. He's been with Nashville Rep for nearly 25 years and has done a lot of productions with them in his time. Indecent presented a unique and exciting challenge, with parts of it taking place in Europe, parts in America, some of the scenes are set on Broadway, and some were in concentration camps. I like the ones that are a little more creative, that aren't just a set. Um, Paul Vogel is a brilliant playwright. It's interesting and heart-provoking and often makes me cry <laughs> every single time I watch it. Um, so it's just it's just a fabulous show. And the way it's written and the music and the dance um, is just really unusual for a theater production. Um, and it just works so seamlessly in this show. So, you know, my job was just to kind of keep out of the way of <laughs> all, that, all that going on and try to create a world for it to live in. Since Indecent deals with anti-Semitism in the Holocaust, it was important to ensure that even the fictional aspects were culturally and historically accurate. Enter Howard Snyder, the show's dramaturg. So my job, uh, way before we even start rehearsals, is to research everything I can um, about the show, about the content of the show, uh, provide the director as well as the cast and the production team with resources, uh, historical resources, uh, sometimes um, 
my own perspective as as growing up Jewish and the child of Jews and grandparents who immigrated to the United States in the early 20th century, the same time that this um, play is, is set. So For you know, Snyder and many of the other Jewish cast and crew members, this production of Indecent has offered an opportunity to explore difficult questions and emotions against the backdrop of the war in Gaza. Some of these are the same questions that Sholem Ash asked 100 years ago. Past fall, I sat down at my desk in, in Warsaw and I asked myself, how do we as artists question our sins in front of a great audience? How do we as Jews show ourselves as flawed and complex human beings? Set designer Gary Seehoff hopes audiences can do the same. I hope they're really enveloped by it. I hope they do, they're drawn into it to um, really go away with a sense of questioning about who gets to decide what's good art, who gets to decide what we can see and not see, um, who gets to decide who can't be part of our society. Um, you know, it's just that those, those really pressing questions that, you know, I think we need to ask today. For This is Nashville. I'm Elizabeth Burton. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk with a director and an actor in the Nashville Reps version of Indecent. We'll also learn what reactions to the play have been like and how they navigate complex topics amidst tense political times. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. The Nashville Repertory Theater is currently performing the play Indecent, written by the venerable Paula Vogel. Now, before the break, we got a peek of what was happening behind the curtain. Now let's talk with two people directly involved with the play. Sarah Eiley is an actor and an indecent, and Micah Shane Brewer is the director of the play. He's also the artistic director of the Nashville Rep. Sarah, Micah Shane, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Really great to have you both here. You know, I'm, why don't we start with this? I'm curious about how you chose what productions to go with for this theater season. Micah Shane, what are, what was the selection process like when you began to talk about putting on Indecent? <laughs> it's always, a, it's, it's like a very complicated puzzle because you're looking for the right pieces. You want a little bit of everything in the season. Uh, I saw Indecent seven years ago on Broadway and I knew nothing about the show and I left with this uh, just uh, immense feeling of of uh, this cathartic feeling of, of what theater can do. Like I, I left asking questions. I left with all the feels. And a couple of years ago, I read the script again, and I knew that I wanted to do it at some point. And last year, we were going through so many different things here in not only our country, but here in, here in Nashville. You know, censorship, the drag bill. Um, uh, the anti-Semitism that we're seeing all over the country. And it spoke to me in a way that I thought this was the time to tell this story. And so it's been a perfect time. It's been a time of healing for us as a cast. It's been a time of unity. Um, it's It's been a beautiful experience for us 
to come together and, and, and bring these characters to life and share this story with Nashville audiences. Were there any moments of like consternation or worry that Nashville audiences would be upset with the political themes that the show covers? I, I don't think so. I, you know, it, it is a political show, but it also is a, it's a show that celebrates our humanity, our differences. Um, uh, it's a way that we can come together and, and talk about difficult things but also celebrate what theater can do. Now, Sarah, had you heard or read the, or seen the play before you got involved with this production? No, I hadn't. And funny enough, I came to the auditions and I, I thought I was auditioning for nine to five. Okay. And then when I was called back for Indecent, I was like, well, I might as well look into the show. I didn't know much about it. And the moment I connected with Indecent, which didn't take very long, I just knew that this was part of my path being here in Nashville uh, it was to be a part of this production and this show and this conversation that is so beautifully done through the art of this play. I mean, nine to five to Indecent, those are <laughs> that's 180 degree turn on themes. Yes. And I, I'm just so grateful to have landed uh, with with Micah Shane and the entire cast and this this particular show. Had you Have you had any previous experiences like working on potentially controversial plays and pieces? Um, not in this, not in this way. Um, the pieces that I've been a part of have been very art forward, mm -hmm. very poetic. It's what I'm drawn to. Um, the ones that I resonate with the most and deeply care about, but I haven't been a part of something that could potentially be this controversial. And I love being a part of it. <laughs> how, how does, how did it feel as you were preparing to, you know, a lot of thespians, they, tell me this about your approach that you were going to get into very, very heavy deep, emotional material. Talk to me about your process as you were getting into the role. Well, you know, as a human being in my life with all of the different things that I do, um, talking about and thinking about and looking into the human experience is something that I have always been attracted to. And, you know, I'm not, I, I like to talk about the stuff that really moves us and grows us. It's just kind of my come from. So I was immediately attracted to the conversations that this play would bring up. Even if people wouldn't talk about them, they'd be feeling these things. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't know how to name what those feelings are, it's this, our souls are touched by this play in some ways that people don't know how to put words to. And for me, uh, that gives me joy to be able to be a part of that flow. Um, I was excited, a little nervous, you know, but also just like, what an opportunity you, you to play, unveil. You play more than one role in this play, correct? Yes, we all play. The whole cast plays a number of different roles. Talk to me about that, Micah Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I love this type of theater because it, it forces us as an audience to use our imagination and go along with this journey. And having a cast as talented and as wonderful as we have in Indecent, where they can, in 10 seconds, change a character with maybe just a change of a, a small uh, item of costume, whether it's a hat or what. But just watching the story come to life and seeing the through line, uh, and, and Sarah especially, the, the characters that she, that she plays throughout the, the, the evening, as an audience member, I like to be able to connect the dots. Mm. And when everything isn't already spelled out for me, I have to do a little work myself. And those plays are always, for me, the most rewarding that the audience has a part to play in the actual production. It's not just let us show you and tell you everything. You have to do a little work yourself. And for me, 
last weekend, uh, watching and observing the audiences and what and how invested they were in the storytelling and how mm -hmm. they went along on that journey. You know, it's not just the play because the play is beautiful. It's the the actors and the work that they have put in in understanding these people and knowing what they want and going on that journey and really helping to us as an audience to feel that. That's what's magic about the theater for me. Yeah. And I noticed this last weekend, the audience became part of the flow of the show and us, the, the cast members, we have so many different roles that we're playing and we get just a few minutes or seconds sometimes in each role. Mm. So to hear the audience, sometimes they became like one voice mm -hmm. and we could hear where they were all like, you know, ah, ha ha ha. Yeah. yeah. You know, you could feel their emotions in the room, yeah. which gives us so much knowledge of where to, what to lean into and, you know, beats to lean into and move, for, move from. They, they say that when we come together as a collective body, our hearts begin to beat as one. And you can feel you that can in the feel room. It. Absolutely. Yes. And yeah. the cast, I feel we are that we feel that way too. Mm. And what's interesting is that we don't really have a backstage in this production. We're all on stage the whole time. Wow. So it's like you're you're watching all of it. You're watching the characters put on and off a shawl or put on and off a hat and becoming these characters as we step in and we're all back there supporting each other and the audience is part of that. So it's amazing. How many roles are you playing in the in this? I was thinking about that. Uh, um, uh, Micah Shane, help me. It's it's uh, it's Dorothy, it's Frida Nima, Frida Niman, <laughs> Maj. No, um, um, you, oh gosh, you play my at least brain. Eight roles. I yes, think maybe more wow. though. I think so because there there are some numbers where the the characters also portray like uh, a group of immigrants or mm -hmm. uh, uh, the cabaret singers. Performers, yep. Bagelman sisters. Yeah. yeah, I think there's about eight, eight or nine characters. How do you prepare to be eight or nine different people? It is a practice of presence for sure. Mm. The costume pieces that have been so beautifully put together by the costume crew really help that. It's like that that sense, touch, sense, sensory. I know that when I'm putting on the string of pearls, I become afraid of Niman, and I have like maybe five seconds to do that quick change. But as I'm putting on the shawl, taking out the, the cigarette and putting on the pearls, I just step right, right into it. Mm. And I, that, the, our rehearsal process was incredible for that. We really just dove in and everyone dove in, everyone's commitment to it dove in. And we all help each other with costume changes. So we're all sort of knowing each other's tracks too at the same time. Okay. Okay. Now, now Micah Shane, you're the director. When you went through this, rehearsal process, knowing that people are going to be playing multiple characters, mm -hmm. different personalities. What did you want to get across to the actors in the play so that you could bring it to life as well as what you all have just described to me? Uh, you know, uh, the, the most important thing for me as a director is to establish an ensemble and trust. Uh, and, and from day one, from the very, very beginning, <laughs> it, it clicked into place just like that. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we had a great group of actors. We, we like to play. We like to explore. You know, as a director, you come in with ideas, but uh, I've worked with some directors who, who come in and tell you exactly every little detail, and that's not a collaboration. So being able to work with actors who bring ideas and say, well, oh, can I try this? And like, yeah. And then sometimes those ideas might, may work. Sometimes they may not. Um, but, but also just establishing the the room to create the room to explore uh and, and for me 
uh, that's where where the fun begins. And you and you also, as a director, start to have ideas of oh, maybe maybe we could try this. So there were there were some days where. Um, we would get in there and just play. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't have a very long rehearsal period, so we didn't have a lot of time to play. But what was great about uh, this cast is that they came in understanding the material, knowing what we needed to do, and that is that helps so much when you're in the room creating. One, one thing I understand, and, and I'm, I'm not a thespian at all, like my greatest and deepest acting experience was playing the Cowardly Lion back in 1988. <laughs> um, but... It's about choices, right? Mm-hmm. That you're doing on stage that mm-hmm. you have to commit. That's like yeah. the fundamental pillar of any good thespian. Given this freedom of being able to make your own choices with what you want to bring to the character, you know, Sarah, talk to me about how what that meant. This freedom that Micah Shane gave you and the rest of the cast. You know, I feel like I can absolutely speak for the cast in this in this way. Where from day one, the very first time we all got together, Micah Shane, you you opened up a conversation to say, how are you feeling about doing this show? Where are you at with this? And you could just feel the room break open because you were establishing trust from day one. And oftentimes the rehearsals would start with a tennis ball in the middle and we'd do this game where we were all take off our shoes and we'd throw the tennis ball. And it was all about trusting each other and, and bringing ourselves together as one body. And that made it so much more comfortable and natural to make those choices because I'm going to make a choice. I know that my cast member, I can trust my cast member to catch me to, if I'm going to lean this way, they're going to lean that way. It's, we created this body of work together as one body and we really do trust each other. And that was started on day one. And Mm. everyone also is so passionate about this play. We Mm -hmm. all came in very passionate about this play Mm -hmm. and everyone got the room to really talk about their specific passion and connection to the play before we even started rehearsing. What were those conversations like? Very moving. Uh, you know, people shared their stories of their families, of their backgrounds. Uh, you know, some of our cast members are Jewish. Some of our cast members came from, um, you know, uh, Polish descendants, uh, uh, Yiddish, even in their in, in their family background. Yep. So we shared those stories. We shared our uh, hopes for the piece. We shared our our fears. Uh, you know, this this play really uh, it, it was a show I wanted to explore, but it also is a show that scared me mm-hmm. as a director and as a theater maker. Uh, and 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 it was fine to be able to, to just put that all out in the room and and be able to talk as a group. Yes. Uh, and that that that's what gave me a lot of hope, a lot of energy, mm-hmm. and excitement about this piece that we were all on the same uh, on this on the same boat, so yeah. to speak. Oh, absolutely. And when the curtain goes up, we don't actually have a curtain when the lights go down. <laughs> I should say. Okay. Having all of the cast members together on the same stage the whole time, you can feel you can. It's like the the ship leaves the dock and you're on the ship together. Yep. Yeah. And it's not over until you are you've you've reached your destination at the end of the show when the lights go back down. There's no hiding. There's and no everyone's breaks. In it, you can feel everyone in it. There's there's no gap anywhere. It's amazing. Now the play includes a little bit of song and dance, not quite mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. a musical. Mm-hmm. What was your approach in designing that? Well, I'm a musician, and I, I've done a lot of musical theater. Uh, what's great about Indecent is um, Paula worked with um, Lisa Gutkin, uh, who was a co-composer. She is a member of the Klezmatics. And for a number of years as they were developing the show, they wrote a score of Klezmer music. So it was all there for us. You know, It was just about bringing that to life, and we found... 
three wonderful actors who play um, Laurie plays violin and mandolin, Eric plays the accordion. Uh, and the the baritone ukulele, and Trevor plays clarinet and bass clarinet and tin whistle. So all of those instruments together at different times create this beautiful underscore of klezmer music that helps us to establish not only the the feel of the story, but also the environment, the the different places. It helps us transitions, uh, and and the the choreography as far as the dance. I I, I did a lot of research on traditional Jewish dance working mm. with different steps to incorporate into it. It's not really a dance show, but there, there are moments that you are compelled to move. And yeah. so finding those moments that um, you incorporate a little bit of dance. There's like a Berlin scene in a Berlin cabaret in 1907. So that's a specific type of, of, of song and dance. Um, and it's very organic movement and ma it matches the music. It's like right. what humans would do... It's very cultural, mm -hmm. right? It's very organic feeling. Sarah, you're also a singer songwriter mm -hmm. and a thespian. Are yes. you the triple old school triple threat dancer too? I am. Hey, I am. she is. Probably, I, I will say yes, yes. Yeah. I love it. So, <laughs> how did how did that experience help you in playing eight roles? Uh, the movement, absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, I love movement so much, and so I got to. Actually, you know, I was thinking about that as I played the doctor the other day. I put her on a very linear, physically linear track. Hmm. She has edges and corners, and she walks on a grid. And that helped me with the character development of her way of being. And say, Freda Niman, she is more like a lyrical mover, so she moves in sort of swirls and shapes. And I'm able to put the ways I think about art and the ways I see movement and song and words they're able to come together in the show, and I'm just loving that process. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Ekelona. We're talking this hour with Michael Shane Brewer and Sarah Eiley from the Nashville Repertory Theater about the play Indecent, which is running through February 11th. Now, Michael Shane, this we've we've mentioned this many. That's the theme of the show, the play and the heaviness of this show. We couple it with the current state of geopolitics, this ongoing war in Gaza. The, you mentioned a little bit before about the discussions, you all sitting down, people sharing their histories mm -hmm. of where they're at, and I'm sure their feelings about what is happening right now, not mm -hmm. only in our country, but in other parts of the world. What did that do to make you all unified? I, I don't, it, does it sound cliche for me to call you a family, but it really brought not you together as you were going through this very emotional piece of work mm -hmm. during very emotional times. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how it brought you all together. It's a great question. Uh, you know, uh, Paula Vogel actually has a quote where she says, the power of art is the power to wound our memory, which really resonated with me. Um, if you think about this play, it spans from 1906 to 1953, so almost 50 years of storytelling. And during those 50 years, so much happened in our world, and we're still living with that today. You know, you think of the Holocaust as this, you know, 80-something um, years ago, but we're still living with what happened, the hate that, that permeated the world at that moment, that hate is still here. Um, the, the, the story of the God of vengeance and how it was shut down for obscenity, we're still facing those problems and, and people wanting to censor books and, and ban books and censor voices and censor people from speaking out. 
to me, as a theater artist and as a theater maker, we have to tell these stories to not only um, understand each other, but also to put out into the universe the hope that we have for change. Um, that may sound a little corny, but uh, to me, that's that's what I do. That's why I do theater. Mm -hmm. It's not just to put on a good show and have a good time. It's about the change that we can make, whether it is putting a smile on someone's face, lifting someone up, talking about difficult subjects. Uh, that's and we have we run the gamut in theater. We 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 do all types of of shows, um, and this show was important to me not only to uh, to do a good play, but to be able to have some conversations. Mm -hmm. I think that's the hard thing about, about our world right now is we don't have conversations. It's, you know, you're wrong, I'm right. Mm -hmm. And we shut down discussion and debate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe, just maybe, we can have a conversation and talk about our differences. And that's what theater allows us to do, is to talk about what's happening in our world, how do we make positive change? We may not always agree, but theater can make that happen. Well, Sarah, what do you want folks who come to see the play? What do you want them to learn and walk away with? Mm. You know, if someone can, as they're quietly sitting in their chair, watching, watching the show, receiving the show with the lights and the music and the movement and the incredible dialogue that's there, if they can just feel that, a sense of change mm -hmm. or a tapping at the door for a moment as far as like their certain perspective is concerned even if someone's very happy with their perspective it's never life is never done it's this constant moving changing ever growing evolving thing as the world changes as we change around each other if they if there is a door or a window that can be opened to just become more open even where we don't know where we're closed mm. That, that, I think, is something I would love for everyone to feel at some point. You know, you talked about how we continue to change. I'm interested. You're playing. I know a lot of actors sometimes, and my, my, my sisters have played a very, very intense role, and it takes them a while to separate themselves mm -hmm. from that role after their film, television production, or, or play is over. How has this, playing all these eight roles, these powerful characters, or in this powerful time that in some ways seems to be repeating itself. How has that impacted you? Uh, it has allowed me to uh, surrender into this depth within myself that I've surrendered into little bits at little times, but it's allowing me the permission to just really be there, which is truly enriching all of the parts of my life during this. And I really wish we could continue the show. That's what I really want is for it to continue on. I don't want to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. um, it's just giving so much depth everywhere. Um, it, even though it has a lot of heavy topics in it, there's a lot of hope. Oh, yeah, and joy. There's a lot of hope. There's a, lo a lot of joy. It's also a love story, too, right? A beautiful yeah. love story. Yeah. And so many people are just thanking us. I've heard, you know, I've heard other people talking to other cast members and personally, thank you for doing this. Thank you. I'm bringing more people this next weekend. People are coming twice to the show. Uh, people are feeling things. Micah Shane, are you, are you and the Nashville Rev going to take on more controversial topics? You know, I don't think of it as uh, uh, making decisions based on controversial topics. I think of it as what stories do we need to tell? Um, it's not just for pushing the envelope. It's not just for 
for uh, like, oh, we want to talk about this because it's important. It's it's about what stories need to be told and whether they're controversial or not. You know, it's 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 really a balancing act. Right. It's when we pick a season, we want there to be something for everyone. Not everyone will will see indecent. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but those who choose to see it, you know, will will get something out of it. And and so it's a it's a matter of of, of selecting a balanced programming throughout the year. Uh, so to answer your question, perhaps, you know, it's, yeah. it, it it all depends on on what the universe is putting out there for us to to talk about. And we got about a, a minute left, and I know you both want the play to continue going on, but. It's a considerable amount of energy, yeah. not only just um, the actual physical energy that you're spending, but emotional energy, spiritual energy. Mm-hmm. It feels like you all are putting into this. Mm-hmm. You're going to give yourselves a little bit of a break to reset, recalibrate <laughs> before you get <laughs> on to the next project? We were just talking about that. I, I have to say, I think we're both very project people. Mm-hmm. We're project people. Yep. We both have a lot of projects coming up, too. Yeah. Uh, but it is so important to have some self-care and nurturing mm-hmm. and some downtime as well. I'm noticing that more and more. It's like... Uh, you got to f- refill the battery so that yeah. it can be fully operational. I'm horrible at that. I, I'm a workaholic. Mm. <laughs> so I, you know, it's, but yes, for sure. I'm feeling it. And, mm-hmm. but also just the, you know, the, the time to regroup, the time to think and plan and, and dream, so to speak. And right now we're working on next season and trying to get everything um, in line to announce our 40th anniversary, which is next year. Oh, wow. Absolutely wonderful. Make sure you guys come on the show so we can talk about that, okay? Thank you. Perfect. Sarah Eiley is a part of the cast for Indecent, and Micah Shane Brewer is the director of the play. He's also the artistic director of the Nashville Rep. The play runs through Sunday, February 11th. Head out to NashvilleRep.org for more information. Sarah, Micah Shane, thank you both so much. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burton. It was directed by our senior producer, Tasha A.F. Lemley. Our board operator and technical director is Liv Lombardi. Live tweeting was handled by Elizabeth Burton as well. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Amos Glass and LaTanya Turner. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram. Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and be good to each other.